What's good, beautiful people? This is Flash Black Radio. I am DaVinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett the Third, and I am sitting here with my right-hand man, Slim Williams. What's up? What's up? And in the studio, we have with us two DC poetry legends. We have one, Mr. 13 of Nazareth. Peace. And How y'all doing? And also Mr. Drew Droopy Anderson, a.k.a. The Broke Baller. Hello, hello. <laughs> So like this is this is this was actually quite uh well first and foremost before I even get started let me let me say this so if you're listening to this podcast and you heard just like a really like sweet like intro music that is actually uh, uh produced by a good friend of mine by the name of OJ Williams no excuse me OJ Williams I'm going to edit that out I'm just edit that out I'm tired uh OJ Miles and OJ Miles is a, like I said, a very good friend, but also a producer. Uh, he's, he's done some projects with myself, Slim and 13. Uh, and we have some stuff in the works, but, uh, he, he threw that, that, that beat to me for this particular podcast. So I want to make sure that he got his just, uh, credit for that, for that, uh, intro music. So he's the man. Indeed, indeed. So without it's further ado. Juice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Shout out to Isa. Shout out to Isa. So, uh, yeah. So, with all that being said, um, I, I wanted to take this opportunity to have this very unplanned interview session, and Slim's going to help co-pilot this this whole thing. I'll do my best. Uh, because um, I wanted to have an interview with Drew for a while. Like, when I decided to have this whole Flash Black endeavor, you know, up and running, there's right. like, okay, I, I'm thinking of people that I know that I can interview that, that give good interviews. No pressure. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's absolutely no pressure because here's the thing. What I've, what I've learned, and I'm very young in this process, but what I've learned um, it seems to be very consistent is even the people that are nervous, that nervousness drops away after like three or four minutes because you forget the mics are here. <laughs> you just after a while, it's just like, okay, we're just having a conversation. It's just, you know, like we're recording. That's it. Right? So um, uh, just as a little bit of background, uh, I've known... Drew, since our freshman year of college at Howard University, and um, we've been uh, poetry uh, warriors. <laughs> Drew has, has has held the flag a lot longer than me because he's he's still hosting a very popular uh, open mic. He's probably the longest open mic runner set at this at this point in 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 the DMV now, huh? Mm-hmm. Fourteen uh, years. Yeah, yeah. So he's been he's been holding this set down, uh, spit that. And uh, the but monastery, we, yeah, yeah. But we, we, and the dope thing about Spit that, in my in my estimation, is I feel like it's like the like the proving grounds for the young up and comers. For those who are like hungry for poetry, just getting into it, it's a great place to go. You know, flex your muscle, get yourself together. You know, get your bars up and all that, and you, you get a lot of love between the hosting that you get from uh, Drew and his co-host Dwayne B. What up, Dwayne? What up? Uh, yeah. So it's it's it's. It's one of those things, like I, I said I want to interview Drew, and it was kind of confusing for me because I didn't know whether I wanted to interview him as a poet, per se, mm-hmm. or did I want to interview him as an educator? Because mm. uh, both of these things are things that I've done, and both of these things I know are not easy to do. And I figure like he's got like a great perspective. He's a very, very intelligent dude. And then, of course, like you guys, I'm sure, I hope, are you know somewhat more familiar with Mr. 13 of Nazareth. I just launched a an interview with 13. So if you have not heard that, please go to flashblackradio.com or to iTunes and Google Play and check that out. So without further ado, man, like how y'all doing, fellas? What's going on? How, how you feeling? No complaints. Happy to be here. Shout out to Flash Black. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, so, um, you know uh, how I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. I guess that like that's actually the reason in part why why everybody's here right now. Correct. Correct. Um, my 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 good my good friend Slim just just eclipsed the forty year mark on this planet. Yes, sir. And he's had a super awesome birthday weekend. I would say, in yeah. my just estimation, it's been uh, spectacular. Uh, spectacular. So you you want you want to run down how last night went? You can you can kind of get us up to speed. Well, uh, last night I was the very very gracious uh, beneficiary of a surprise birthday roast. Um, and it was spectacular. Two of the uh, the roasters on my roasting panel are here. Uh, Lee um, was a roaster and Drew 
was a roaster. It was hosted by Two Deep the Poetess. Uh, Brian Brewer-Vell was a, a roaster as well. We're going to have to get on um, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. He, yeah. He, I have a feeling Brew will give really good interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're going to have him sit in on, on Usual Suspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he needs to sit in on Be a on good fit sessions. for the Usual yeah, Suspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Dwayne B was also uh, um, a roast on the roast panel. Uh, Shout out to Fibby in the Wall. The yes. dry fish, man. Who yeah. like, you know, who who did an assassin type move, man. Uh-huh. He like gave an incendiary bomb to <laughs> to Brew. And it wasn't and, there. And it wasn't there to actually watch it go off. Like he like sent jokes yeah. for the roast of you and wasn't there to actually deliver them. He sent them to somebody else to make sure you got them though. I had to rebut by proxy and shit. Like I don't know, hopefully he'll uh He'll hear it at some point. At some point, he's got to hear it. And then yeah. shout out to Rich Duncan, uh, my man up in New York, um, who is a hilarious comedic writer, um, who also submitted some uh, some some fire for the roast. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, by remote. But yeah, it was great, man. I've always wanted to be roasted, and it was just it was a spectacular. I had such a good time. It was a room full of people laughing and having a good time, and everybody who knows me knows I enjoy that. Like people just having a good time and and feeling some joy. So it's been that type of birthday for me, like being around people, enjoying themselves in my honor or at my expense. However they do it, you know, it's been going either way and I'm having a good time. Right. So uh, we're gonna open the floor up to Mr. Anderson over here. So uh, how how did how were you brought into the the fold on this on this? Because this is a, a surprise, as Slim just said. So how were you like brought into this whole surprise birthday roast? Well, Slim's uh, lovely life, lovely life, lovely wife, Charlotte. Yeah, synonyms in, in these circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> so his little lovely wife. <laughs> that's a bit of an inside joke from the roast. Uh, Hit me up via email a couple weeks ago and was like, you know, uh, we want to do a stupid, ridiculous 40th birthday roast for the Slim guy. Um, Are you down? And, you know, I had to be down. It just sounded like a lot of fun. I've always had a lot of love and respect for Slim. Um, And it was just, I just really, I was like, hey, that's a cool idea. Yeah, let's roast Slim. That'll be cool. And um, (laughs) funny enough, basically everything that I was going to say I came up with on the way there <laughs> um, yeah. because yeah. I, I had like a little, I just in my mind, just throughout my daily to do, uh, to-do list, which invariably always start with rule number one, uh, item number one, write a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is leftover stuff that didn't get done from previous days. But th- running throughout the last couple of weeks was, all right, sit down and come up with what you're going to come up with for Slim's Rose. And then this came up and that came up. And I was working on this grant, working on this other stuff. And I was like, all right, this is it's there. I'm thinking about them. I just got to... But so the day of, <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, you seriously got to take yeah. some time to sit down and do this. But then my cousin was in town from Houston mm-hmm. and we were kicking it and this and that. So I was like, all right, I'm just rolling some things around in my head. I, I have a enough confidence in my comedic ability and also in my ability to associate ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big part of, I assume we talk about education today, so we'll probably get around and talk about spoof school. Mm-hmm. But that's a, a talent that I teach my fourth graders. So if I could teach them when I, they just met me, I've been doing this for a while. I should be able to do that. So I was confident enough in how I feel about Slim, things I know about Slim, and my ability to associate thoughts. I was like, we'll we'll, we'll come up with something. It's going to be right. It's going to be on time, and he's going to have a good time. So I'm not going to stress myself about it. I'm just going to kind of do me. And it was on time. <laughs> so 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 very quickly, spoof school. Like break that down for me real quick. Like how did how does... Okay. Um well Lee knows I was a full-time educator, a science teacher for about 12 years. In fact, when I first started teaching at Washington Mass Science and Tech, I was a high school biology and biotechnology and AP biology and health teacher. And Lee taught at Tech World. Yes, I did. The yeah. same building in Waterfront Mall. Yeah, opposite side. Yeah, yeah, that I taught. And I think he left that school the year before I started there because I started in the fall of 2001. I want to say yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we just met each other, but we yeah. had a student in common, at least one. Oh. Um, because I remember, I don't remember his name, but you gave me his your book, your your chat book, uh-huh. not even chat book, your book book mm-hmm. um, to give to him. I remember that much, and he had much respect for you and good mm-hmm. memories of you. I remember what he looks like. I just don't have his name in mind because he's one of that's my first happened. students. Yeah, that's and that what was a good after years of teaching. Yeah, good. Fair enough. Fifteen years ago, um, I think I had hair at the time. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
So you were at Tech World. I was at Washington Mass Science and Tech. I was a biology teacher there. I taught there for six years. And then I taught at uh, the school for young mothers called My Futures Academy. That was very interesting. It was a boarding school for young mothers and their kids. And they were just trying to get their credits. And I was teaching um, health and biology there. And that school got closed under allegations of embezzlement from the headmaster. Um, Okay, was this also like a charter school type? Yeah, every school I've taught at. Yo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that in and of itself, then that's actually one of the things I wanted to build. How about that? That's that's. I don't know if there's enough time. We have 13 <laughs> over here as well, so mm-hmm. like I don't I don't want to let him get yeah, lost. Yeah, I'm sauce. a I'm a yeah. Hey man, take take y'all time. Put yeah, a ball yeah. around. I'm, it. I'm happy being the ad lib for the day. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying okay, so school for young mothers, yeah. and then I taught at Cesar Chavez Prep uh, School for Public Policy, and I taught eighth grade science there. So that's like a mix of uh, physics and chemistry, and I really enjoyed teaching, but. I felt like I wanted to do more with my art. I was always kind of doing it on the side. And, you know, I did a lot with it. People, I knew full-time artists who thought I was a full-time artist too because they would see me kind of grinding as much as yeah, they were. Yeah. Traveling here and there and doing my thing and hosting events and things like that. But um, I just, I left teaching full-time to kind of just say, okay, I'm going to force myself to do something different. I, I want to, yeah. you know, I, I loved the school I was at. It was the best school I ever taught at. Great relationships with the staff and with the students and all that. But I said, okay. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to force myself to pursue things differently. And so I left teaching full time and started working with this organization called Young Audiences of Maryland, also known as Arts for Learning. And they mm-hmm. teach artists how to be teaching artists. They show you how to break down your gift, your talent, share it with the teachers and with the students and use it to apply it to their actual schoolwork. So my angle, since y'all know I do the parodies, people call me the Black Weird Al Yankovic. I do spoof school. I teach the kids how to make parodies about their schoolwork. Okay. Um, yeah. That, that, that's like, just give me a little bit more. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm leaning Boom. in on this one. All right. <laughs> so, Spoof School, the way it works is I'll come in and say the first part is called Rewind Selector. It's about selecting a song. Mm-hmm. And you got to come up with the criteria for a spoofable song. Mm-hmm. And what the kids invariably come up with, maybe not using these exact words, but after we do our little ideas on the board, they all come up with the same thing I have in mind. A good spoofable song has to be catchy, popular, and simple. Popular, not necessarily mean everybody likes it, but accessible. Mm-hmm. All right, catchy. The people can relate to yeah. it. They know it like I've heard that song before. Yeah, right. It's, it's not, not just it's not some... really going to make much of a difference if you're not familiar with the song. Right. right. Now, in advanced spoofing, you might want to do some, because Weird Al Yankovic, who I've seen perform live, he does this. He'll make a spoof about some like an Amish prayer or something crazy like that. Real, real sec, real quick. And this doesn't surprise me at all, because like like back in the day, Drew and I have seen many, many a concert. Mm-hmm. You've seen Will Al Yankovic live? Live at Warner Theater, yes indeed. How was that? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it was multimedia. He pulled in out videos and I stuff. I think people would, like, forgot how. Like, I'm, look, a here's the thing. <laughs> I'm gonna leave him getting a little jealous. <laughs> no, here, no, here's the thing. Like, like Will Al Yankovic, I think because they've seen him do like the Michael Jackson spoofs and right. like he did like the Amish Paradise and stuff right. like that. Right. Um, it, there, there's a level of genius to take something and be able to, like, you know, take something that people resonate, it resonates with some people a certain way, mm-hmm. be able to, like, spoof it, and then at the same time, not have the artist want to kill you for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. With the exception for Coolio. Coolio was not happy when he, when he did Amish Paradise. <laughs> yeah, Amish Paradise. <laughs> yeah, he was not happy at all. He was very, like, like, like upset. Oh, I didn't for know that. Long, yeah, for a long time. Yeah, mm. he was like, yo, this is a very serious song. Mm. And yeah, he was, he was, he may not say it like that. But wow. Coolio didn't have to cut the rest <laughs> of his hair like off. a real <laughs> serious song. Yeah, he really does. Tell him focus on He's holding on to them two little uh, braid ponytails. Mm. It's, it's all right. It's, it's all, <laughs> let it go. Oh, cool. we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna pray for him. Eighty percent of your head is bald. Mm. <laughs> like, let it go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but so, like, I, I think, and I, I, I don't want to say this like too crazy, but I think, like, I've heard, like, I think he can actually sing, right? He actually, uh, yeah, yeah, Widow, yeah, 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 he can go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he so can it's go just for like it. it's nice, like you think because he's doing all these spoofs or whatever, and he's also a very talented musician, and dude, yeah, like he, somebody can rock out on an uh, accordion, on, accordion, yeah. yeah. Like, Real talk. It's an accordion, yo. <laughs> <laughs> There's dedication when you certain things. If, if you're going to become like a for real like uh, ventriloquist, mm-hmm. like a good one, or like somebody you're going to do an accordion or something like that, you're basically saying that you're going down a very lonely road that nobody's going to follow you. <laughs> on. Mm. You know. So the fact that this dude took the accordion and popularized it. Cause mm. I don't, I can't think of another famous accordion player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of uh, crazy. So, so Weird Al Yankovic, yes, very, yeah, okay, yeah, good All right. show. 
All right, so spoof school. So back to spoof school. Um, right. day two of the five day residency, and it can be longer, shorter, depending on the circumstances. But my general template is five days, and so the first day is rewind selector. They have to learn what a spoof is, how it works, and what's a good spoofable song. By the end of that class, we pick the song. They pick it, so it becomes theirs. It's mm-hmm. not just us forcing something on them. Um, and some of the kids might not agree with the song that we chose, but if they hate the song, I tell them, well, that's even more reason to spoof it. Yeah. Um, and then in day two, it's called Captain Hook in the Hubcaps. Captain Hook is about understanding that the hook is a captain of the song. It's the most important part of the song, the part that you remember if you don't remember anything else. And the things that make a good hook are the same things that make a good spoofable song. Catchiness, popularity, simplicity. So now we start writing the hook. We have either a concept, maybe it's the unit they're working on in school, or maybe it's just some theme that we came up with. Like, I don't know, conflict resolution or something. I'm doing a residency coming up at Nicholas Orham uh, Middle about plate tectonics. Um, So it's going to be about continental drift. And they... um, Young audiences actually helped me out with designing the spoof process to parallel the plate tectonics concepts. So Pangea, the original supercontinent, would be the ah, the song that you chose first. It would be the original, the supercontinent. It breaks apart through plate tectonics and the different uh, continents that come become your new verses. And then there's like fossils in there that wouldn't, shouldn't exist in the new places where those continents came. So those are elements of the original song that you kept. It might have been uh, the rhythm. It might have been the beat. It might have been whole lines. So those fossils are the evidence of where the original thing came from. Mm -hmm. And so, boom, day two, that's Captain Hook. Hubcaps, substitution, that's the term I came up with about one of the little techniques I use when I'm spoofing a song. I'll take the rhyming word, the last word in the line, and I'll go through the alphabet switching or hubbing out the first letter. Mm-hmm. And you can, of course, eliminate nonsense words. Like when I did uh, Kendrick Lamar, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, and I uh, spoofed it, did Don't Kill My, Don't Steal My, don't ride. Steal my ride. Let's start going through vibe, all right? Let's sub out the V for an A. You get Abe, that doesn't make sense. Get rid of that. You get Bibe, okay? I, that could be short for Mbibe, like to drink, or maybe the Bible or something. Uh, kind of weak, let me move that. You get all the way through the alphabet, and you come around to ride, because I ended up flipping out and substituting the letter, the other letter, the B, in vibe as well. But it's different ways you could do that. And so also the good old uh, Manning, Peyton Manning, nationwide is on your side thing. Mm-hmm. Syllables, nationwide is on your side. Chicken palm, you taste so good. You can start looking at syllables and say, is there as many syllables in this line mm-hmm. as in a vocabulary word or phrase that I want to use from the unit? Mm-hmm. And so you play around with the Manning thing. And then day three is called BARS, stands for Building Academically Relevant Spoofs. Mm-hmm. You take the same skills that you built in day two to make the hook, but now you're building the whole verses and you're mm-hmm. using concepts from whatever it is we're talking about in school. Mm-hmm. Day four is called Get Crunk. It's one of my favorite day. It stands for that creative. Like energy day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Crunk stands what? for. <laughs> and yeah, we'll wait till you get to this. Um, crunk stands for creative, rapturous, unified, natural, and knowledgeable. If you can be all those things, you can converse with anyone, sell anything. You're just a good performer and presenter. And the kids really get into it because I'll have them say, okay, let's go through the crunk. It starts with creative. Come. Show me in a performance or a presentation that is not creative or show me something that's not rapturous. So I got to tell them what rapture is mm-hmm. and they'll get into it. They'll come up and have their back to the audience, me looking down and saying, uh, da, da, da. and then I say, okay, now get crunk with it. Show me how it is rapturous. And then they'll turn around and get all live. Mm-hmm. And so that's practicing for actually performing the song we created. Mm-hmm. Day five, the last day, spoof a cum laude. You graduate from spoof school. You've written this song. We're going to perform it for either the whole grade or the whole school. Or maybe we performed at Artscape with some students I worked with in Baltimore this summer and that's the deal and then now you know how to do it so I don't have to be there all the time right. y'all can do it without me with different units if it's something that works for y'all so like what is what is in is that like like how often do you do this and like like are you are you like at the point where you're ready to start traveling with this like I was like like this right here like what you just what you just explained is something to me that's the, that can be like sold to any elementary school, mm-hmm. but like not anybody can implement it. That's the idea. Yeah, I do. Well, not in a, just mm-hmm. elementary school; it can be sold to any grade. I'm just saying, to any school mm-hmm. system. It's just yeah. one of those things. Like you know, you're you're basically teaching so many elements of writing and and there are adults who can benefit from they, this. Yeah, there are existing you know writers. Yeah, like that, like, like if, if people this. who have fear yeah. of speaking in yeah. public places, like there are so many ways that this can be applied. Mm-hmm. So like. 
Wow, yo, my hat's off to you, bro. I mean, I'm not surprised at all because I've known you for so damn long. I feel like we need to discuss some options uh, off the show. Yeah, yeah, you, like, like I'm to, almost to, mad. I don't know if feed. I want to even let let everybody know yeah, all this yeah. stuff you just said because yeah, I don't want people know, trying to copy that shit. Not that's yet, shit. not yet. That shit is, thank you, yo. That shit is dope. I, I'm seriously might edit like some of this out. That's the power of having <laughs> you know ability to not you know be live. So, but yo, that shit is dope. So, wow. I, Gather myself <laughs> and pivot. So, um, just up to get, get yourself together. Yeah, clean yourself up. <laughs> so, all right. So, like, when exactly did this 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 idea, these concepts, when did they come to you? Well, it was uh summer of 2014 when I left uh, teaching full time, and so I had more time to think about okay, what you gonna do, bro? And my was good friend, like, it was had 2014. you left before? Because I thought I you, did. Okay, okay, that's what was confusing me. Yeah, I remember you left a while back, and I remember you like like I'm gonna like try the comedy thing yeah. out. I'm gonna like, uh, and you like like mm-hmm. I, I'll bust tables, I'll do whatever. And, like yeah, you know, yeah. bartending, you were bartending. Yeah, in uh, 2007, I yeah. left Washington Math Science and Tech, and for a couple of years, I was waiting tables and just doing my art here and there, getting shows here. And there and it was cool i enjoyed it and all but i was like all right um i kind of miss having a steady paycheck it's yeah. the grind is real out here um <laughs> the, these were the the latter part of the george w bush years mm. and the, oh, yeah. True. And the, unless you were getting bailed out the yeah. economy wasn't that sweet you have your so, own personal recession right yeah so i said okay let me go back to teaching and i had this unique opportunity with that school for young mothers and it really was like a family and um it was i had some some flexibility as well but yeah i did leave teaching uh the once before um, I realized, you know, it's um, it was just time for me to do something different because I'd been at the same school for six years, and that was the only job I'd had or place I'd been in my professional life. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was people who we graduated with, or people like my sister who had worked at like three different places. But then I was like, I just need to vary up what I'm doing and also be happier with what I'm doing because I was really stressed out when I first started teaching. I was. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. I tried to like have that conversation with you, man. <laughs> like it's like for for those who have never taught. Mm. You know what I mean? Like my my the, the the difference between you and I was I went straight from college to teaching pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you know. It's it's humbling because you you don't have the I, the full you can't wrap your head around the idea of being a teacher until you are one because mm-hmm. then it's just like dude like you're actually responsible for these lives mm-hmm. you have you have more interaction in some cases with these kids than their parents do mm-hmm. sometimes the most consistent figure that they have right you know along with your other colleagues and you know whoever is like you know in terms of like the administration and so forth and so on so it's it's a lot to like to take in so like the first month and a half. I was super stressed too. I had to learn, to like, like, I had to, when I left, I had to leave it there. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, tw- I'm not lying, 24 7, I was thinking about these kids. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? I was having phone conferences with parents on my personal time, mm-hmm. you know, for like two hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's because I cared. It's not to mean that I don't care. But just from my personal health and well being psychologically, I had to like draw a definitive line and say, okay. When this, when I'm off premises, I'm not a teacher anymore, man. Mm-hmm. It's just I got to do that. So I want to rewind a little bit because after graduation, I remember uh, carting you and, and, and dropping you off a couple times when you were like doing your grad school mm-hmm. training and all that stuff, and you you going in like for advanced, even more advanced science shit than you know now. <laughs> Uh, and then you, so it kind of feels like we, we've had similar struggles and it's like, mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I've talked about with 13, actually. Um, I, I feel like 13 in, in certain ways is kind of the opposite of me because he kind of just dove in and just like surrendered to his art and like, <laughs> like, you know, who he was as an artist. And I've, I've personally, I think a lot of it has to do with the way I was reared and some of the expectations I placed on myself and others placed on me that I, I had like a struggle in terms of like being a full-time artist right you know what i mean it's just like you know i had like an expectation that i'm supposed to do things a certain way i'm supposed to like you know you know have a certain amount of things and not necessarily i'm not a materialistic person but it's just like you're just supposed to do things a particular yeah. way there's a there's an expected paradigm right yeah. right so it's just like you know uh it, I, it was hard for me to like not feel guilty you know you know outside of like you know going to two and three poetry sets in the evening that was fine for me it's like a drug. I could go to like multiple sets throughout the week and I would do it like consistently for years. Mm-hmm. And that was the way I did it. But I kind of felt disconnected because I saw people that I was cool with that were doing a full time or even more in it than I was. 
right? So, like, did you have that struggle? Because it seems like, you know, because you went to the teaching, I remember, well, you were in grad school, mm-hmm. you, you, you decided that's not what I want to do, mm-hmm. it happens, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you taught and then you, like, stepped away and then you came back and then mm-hmm. you, you began so... Like, how is that? Have you had that struggle? And is this is how you're 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 meeting that struggle now? Is this the the new the new move? I think the move new move now is to just like I put everything together artistically, like to build a spoof. I'm mm-hmm. putting everything together professionally. Mm-hmm. Everything I did now it makes sense why I was a teacher and why I was an artist all that time because now I'm putting it together and I'm a teaching artist. So and it makes it a lot easier when I'm dealing with teachers because even with the program I'm with, they're used to training a bunch of artists who've never really been in the classroom, so don't have to learn about common core and curriculum and building lesson plans and all this stuff. And training a bunch of teachers who've never worked with artists, so they have to understand about artistic concepts and things like that. But with me, it's like a win-win because the whole time I was a teacher, I was also an artist. So I know about doing lesson plans and grading papers and talking to parents, but I also know about bars and poetry and theater and comedy and all the different things that I've been dealing with ever since I left school and was as you know was doing with you when we were in school yeah. um so yeah, well, it's like I, I would just like to say I like to officially throw out there <laughs> ladies and gentlemen because it, it it changed drastically after we graduated Howard but when we were there we were the audience and the performers and the participants mm. as far as poetry it wasn't a poetry mm. scene really on Howard's campus. Mm. So like, you know, like you and uh, uh, Dan actually, the mm-hmm. Free Spirit started up, uh, what was the name of the? the Poetry. Poetry yeah. at Howard. Is that still going at From my understanding, it is still going. I, I should know because I'm right across the street from Howard doing Spit That, but I know people come through and they'll be like, yeah, we got this poetry organization. It's called this. This is a new thing. So I'm like, okay, I, I guess we got multiple ones. But I think I just recently saw somebody who was repping poetry. Um, so I got to get back in touch because I've been doing my own thing so much. Yeah, but I heard heard the be name. Emissary, man, because that's <laughs> going that's going to be the bridge between like yes. what you're doing anyway. That's going yeah. So mm-hmm. like, but that's again, we didn't have it at Howard's. Mm-hmm. We were it, you know. And then like, so y'all took the step. So like, yo, hats off to you for that as well. And shout out to like Free Spirit for that. Word. Uh, so, um, yeah. So let me let me uh, let me let me pivot very quickly because I, I want to get I want to ask you a couple questions. But thirteen, yes, sir. Uh, from your your academic experience uh, and and wh- where you came from, the discussions that we've had often on mic, right? Yes. How do you feel like you know something like? Because I'm listening to what Drew was just saying in terms of this this program. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like this could have affected you or impacted you? Were you in a situation where somebody came in and, and brought a program similar to what Drew has just outlined here? Um, I believe that it could have been beneficial, but for someone like me, maybe not me necessarily because of where my attention was while I was in school. No, like I wasn't really interested in being an artist when I was still in school. Okay. And, you know, I did not even think that I could write uh, anything creatively until until a couple years after I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it would have probably been a great introduction to the possibility for someone who, you know, me having seen... Uh, what Drew has done over the years, I think I probably would have been able to relate to someone like yourself uh, more than I did to the teachers who were trying to convince me that I should read Shakespeare. Um, so I think that it, it may have caught my attention, but I don't know if it would have been something that I would have thought about taking outside of the classroom. Okay. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I, I think that for those who are interested in art, and I knew people who were interested in the arts in school, people who wrote poetry, so forth and so on. I believe that it would have been of tremendous benefit uh, to those people because even though they were interested in the arts, they still kind of felt isolated because they were more interested in things that were going on currently than the things that, than the classical material that they were being told that they should study. Okay. I, I like I'll say for me and Slim, if you want to like you know add or counter, that, that's cool. But I'll say for me, like uh, fifteen years old is kind of when the light bulb started to go on for me in terms of poetry. I mean, I, I, I up to that point, um, I was pretty much 
on the train where I drew like everywhere and all the time. And um, I had been like rapping, not well, but I had been rapping <laughs> since seventh grade at least. I know that like. Yeah, at, at least seventh grade. I, I want to say probably before then. So I didn't really share that with a lot of people, but that was like something that I, I liked doing. But poetry kind of came to me. It wasn't something that I was looking for, but I started to explore it. And I had a couple of teachers that kind of pushed me in that direction. So I think something like what you came up with, with like that would like been like, like, wow, this is, you know, like that, like I'm, I'm still like, that's a really good idea. Like that should be, you know, there needs to be grant money thrown behind that. And we'll have to talk offline if there's a way that, you know, I can assist in some way. Mm, thank you. We'll, we'll have to figure something out for that. But what, did you have anything you wanted to add, Slim? I mean, I, that, uh, something like that would have been uh, would have been monumental for me, particularly uh, the situation I was in in high school specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Southeast D.C. I went to D.C. public schools. I went to a, a, a pretty good D.C. public school mm-hmm. by D.C. public school standards. Um, but I had a lot of teachers who cared. But I went from that situation to going to private school in Northwest, a different situation. I went from being around, you know, uh, all kids that look like me in elementary school to uh, being around kids that look nothing like me. All of them <laughs> like you? That's yeah. That's, it it was a it was rough. It was like a bunch it was rough. Of, a bunch of man faced children mm. walking around. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I mean brown kids, sir. There was lots of brown I, I kids I, I when was, I was in elementary sir, school. Sir, I was just trying to make sure that yeah. I understood what you were saying. That I wasn't didn't have a bunch of man face uh, yeah, yeah. schoolmates. It, 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 it would have been really would have been really scary, and their voices were all deep. It was terrible. Mm. Um, but when I yeah when I went to high school, you know, it was a completely different situation. You know, the school was majority Caucasian. Um, and I was in a I was in a better educational situation. I got a scholarship mm-hmm. to private school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much like what 13 is saying, some of the things that I was being taught were foreign to me. And a program like that would have uh, in an educational environment exposed me to something that was familiar, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I uh, a similarity we have, I grew up in arts. I've been drawing since I was four years old. And in school, I started playing with hip hop when I fell in love with hip hop. When I like kind of common, I met this girl when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. That was a similar situation for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would write some bad verses, but I was just playing with it. You know what not I'm saying? Not bad isn't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Michael Jackson bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. Uh, so I think if I had had an experience with a program like that, uh, it would have made it more tangible for me. Right. And not just conceptual like it was when I when I listened to hip hop, you right. know. So I, 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 I definitely see it being a, a powerful tool um, that can that can reach so many. And not just children, you know, yeah. that can reach adults and, you know, anybody who's interested in writing and writing technique and, you know, thinking about how you process creativity and all that stuff. Right. So I extend the same thing. Lee extends. But anyway, I can, you know, help with the progression of that. Let me let me know if you need Paolo to verb both Spaniard. <laughs> You know, to, to, oh, he knows about Paolo. He knows about Paolo. I did meet Paolo. Talk about Paolo on like this. They're not ready for that here. Yeah, he <laughs> met Paolo. They're not, they're not ready for that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna make a statement. You don't have to agree with this, uh, Drew. Uh, by all means, I'm not gonna agree with. Oh, it. that's fine. I'm Just used to it because yeah. you're, you're a contrarian. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, uh, I don't but, like you very much. Uh, <laughs> the feeling is mutual, sir. <laughs> I thought that was clear after yesterday. You disgust. Mm. Hate your guts. Hate, hate, hate. <laughs> hate, hate. Nah, but uh, as somebody who obviously has gone through uh, the school system, like K through 12, um, was uh, fortunate enough to go through four years of uh, what I feel was a really great school in Howard, mm-hmm. um, and then become an educator myself for a couple of years, um, I, I feel like the educator, and I felt like this when I was in I started to get cynical about education and how it's implemented on a lot in a lot of ways around the tenth grade. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of funny, like if I showed you like some yearbook pictures from ninth grade to tenth grade to eleventh grade to twelfth grade, like the school pictures, you can actually <laughs> mm-hmm. you can actually see in the pictures, mm-hmm. like 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 I'm Your like the same kid, but you, yeah, but you, you can kind of <laughs> see like okay, there's a switch here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. uh I started to feel that 
in many ways, the way that American system does its educational system, I don't feel like they were really trying to push a lot of our kids forward in terms of our 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 academic regimen and so forth, so to speak. Uh, I feel like it's a lot of the same. There's still the there's still idea of George Washington, you know, and Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves because he was a good guy, and mm. it's, it's just so many things that you know, you know, is it, it's like the same stuff that was being taught to our parents is being taught to our kids. So hmm. like the like everything feels kind of outdated, right? And I feel also on top of that, there's been for, for I can't understand why, but there's been this concerted effort over the last fifteen years or so to Especially, it's not just them, but especially over the last 15 or so years, 15 to 20, where they've been removing the arts from the schools. Hmm. And I think like the biggest problem with that is uh, it's been proven through studies, like study after study, that people who are into music, into the arts are uh, better problem solvers, uh, better critical thinkers. And so what you're doing right now is kind of reintroducing that in a condensed format in terms of like basically creating a switch and showing people a different way to look at things. So how, how, what is your assessment of after being a teacher, how do you look at the educational system? How do you feel about common core or no child left behind? Because that's actually one of the things that I wanted to discuss with you Mm -hmm. for months ago. Like, well, one leftover from No Child Left Behind was obviously the test focus, and you would have incentives for students, incentives for students, and incentives for the teachers for the students doing well on tests. Mm-hmm. You would have whole curriculum and uh, things designed around taking tests, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a well balanced curriculum or a well balanced student from just saying, okay, do all this so you can do well on this test. Mm -hmm. The idea, I guess, from the beginning was that if the test is balanced and it covers different aspects of your, just things you're supposed to know as a student and different challenges and ideas, then teaching to the test wouldn't be such a bad thing because the test is well-rounded. But how well-rounded can a test be? Mm -hmm. So then you come to Common Core, and I feel like Common Core... I feel like whatever name you put on it, because when you talk to older educators, they say Common Core has been here before. Mm-hmm. Everything comes around full circle anyway. Mm-hmm. But one thing I do like about Common Core is the fact that it's supposed to be about them reading more critically, them reading more challenging things, and also them not, it's not so test focused. It's more about authentic task. So to me, if I say, okay, let's make this song, that's an authentic task. Mm-hmm. You're doing something, and in the process of doing it, you're learning something. So it's more, I think it's more toward the kinds of minds that are here in the modern world. Like, one of the best things I've heard about education and about the working world is we have to train kids now to solve problems that haven't come to play yet. So it's more about your critical thinking. It's less about memorization and things like that. And I, but I feel like whatever name they put on the curriculum system, as long as there's less of a focus on passing a test and more of a focus on creativity, then I think the students can win, and also the students be more interested in school. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think um, what you one of the elements that well, I'm not saying it's one because it's probably throughout what you do, but one of the things that I found uh, that was very productive for myself when I was a teacher is something you mentioned, and that was like you know you let them choose the song. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like when I was teaching graphic design, it's like, okay, this is the assignment, but you can choose your subject matter. So mm-hmm. I make the assignments relevant to them. Let's make a CD cover. You pick the artist you want to do. Mm-hmm. The, the internet's there, you know, they're, they're not going to go get anything crazy. When you have them engaged, they're less willing, they're less likely to do the wild out and do mm-hmm. crazy stuff, you know. So like, you know, like, you know, at that time, like Hot Boys and all that stuff was the thing. So you had a lot of like, Hot Boys and 504 Boy covers mm-hmm. and stuff. And, but, you know, they were emulating what they saw, but they were doing stuff that was as good or on par, if not better than what Pen and Pixel was doing for all those covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pen and Pixel was the company that was doing all those Hot Boy covers back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, were, no Limit and all that. Yes. <laughs> Where you would put in like flames and expensive cars 10, and jewelries and half naked women, yeah. You know, I always tell you something funny. Uh, this is like a true story. I literally like like sent a resume to like Pen and Fixer, like, yo, your, your album covers are some trash. Oh, uh, uh, hire me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, you know, it's like, like, it's just like as, as somebody who's, who like was familiar and understood, I could see what they were doing. I could see their process. I could look at it and say, okay, they did this, that, and a third to get this effect. I could see what they were doing. And they were really like into the lens flare effect in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Like, they love that lens flare, lens flare effect. So I was just like, I see what they're doing. It's, 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 it's kind of basic. And I know they're charging mad money because mm-hmm. it's... It's no limit in five or four boys. Right. So like a stab. It's right. like, yeah, I could do better than this. That was my way I was looking at it. So, but you don't insult somebody and ask them to <laughs> give you money. Not, yeah, un, un, unless you're like, you know, never mind. I'm not gonna make this political right now. <laughs> That's too easy. You're beneath me. Yeah, yeah. Well, let mm. me make you better. Yeah, you bad uh, hombre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, it's so easy, but I'm gonna try to just. Well, but there's a political element to you know taking taking the arts out of the schools though. Mm. Like you know, there's creative thinking is free thinking you know to try to either take something that exists and reimagine it mm-hmm. or try to conceive of something that perhaps hasn't been before mm-hmm. so you have to take your mind outside of paradigms in order to do that mm-hmm. and when your society has been built on creating paradigms and conditioning people to exist within those paradigms so mm-hmm. that all the systems you've put in place can mm-hmm. function um, so that the beneficiaries of those systems can, t- can continue to benefit from them, then you don't want creative thinking Well, because it will potentially destroy the let paradigm. Me, but let me piggyback off of what you're saying because mm-hmm. all of what you're saying, well, I, understand, yeah, I, <laughs> I understand where you're going with that and I don't disagree with that assessment at all. I think what is interesting and ironic about that is that's that's pretty much what happens. But mm-hmm. um, one of the paradigms that we had, say, like in the countries back in the 1940s, around that time, especially around the, the Second World War, mm-hmm. uh, they started like breaking down factories. We're going to re- retool these factories. We're going to put all these people to work. We're going to do things this way. Innovation started kicking up and all that stuff. And these are the things that you know we celebrate. So we celebrated innovation. We celebrate it. But at the same time, we're not that country anymore. Right. We can't be that because the world is in a different place. We understand where the world is going right now is STEM, science, technology, engineering. You know, right. like that's that's where we're going right now. Right. And it doesn't feel like the educational system is keeping. Like like uh, one of the things that frustrated me with our current president, who is uh, Barack Obama. Uh, I think uh, he's done a lot of great things. I'm I'm not on the bandwagon. I think he's flawless. Right, right. But um, one of the things that frustrates me is I've seen uh, you know, town hall meetings with people like yeah, I, I, like about jobs, you know, so forth and so on. It's like yeah, well, we're, we're doing this right now to like you know, you know, add ten thousand factory jobs. And I'm, the first thing that goes in my head is who says I want to work in a fucking factory? Right. You know, like like why do I have to work in a why why can't we like do something along the lines of what Prince Van Jones was doing? Like, you know, we code, together we code. Like, why are we not getting these kids in line to understand how to be better coders and programmers? Because that's where we're going anyway. That's where the industry is pushing us, that's where innovation is pushing us, and we want to innovate, right? We're saying that we're doing all these things to be this great country, but we're not taking the steps in terms of investing in our children. Our children are our genetic infrastructure, right? So right. we need to make sure that our genetic infrastructure is sound. We have to invest in it. We have to feed it properly. And we're not. We're still doing stuff that was kind of relevant 30 years ago, but mm-hmm. not really. Well, they, they want to feed, you know, innovation, but they want to feed innovation in a way that it benefits, you know, a, a certain core of people. It's not a national it's not a nationalistic goal. It's nationalistic rhetoric, but it's not a nationalistic goal. All right, cuz if it's a nationalistic actual goal, mm-hmm. then you want everybody in the country to actually be successful. You want everybody to contribute, right? But that's not actually what the desire is. What the mm-hmm. desire is, there are some specific people already at the t- at the top of the pyramid who have been benefiting since before slavery. <laughs> before slavery. And Ever since that point, they've been conditioning people by using divisiveness and, you know, the systems that they create uh, to keep people focus, keep their focus away from thinking outside of the box they create for them. Right. And as a result, you get, you know. Poor white farmers hating black sharecroppers. You get poor and white indentured servants hating slaves. You get, you know, everybody hating natives. You get, I mean, and and it just kept on through well, history. You, you mm-hmm. get Jim Crow. You yeah. get, you know, 
is it, it's it was intentionally done. It didn't. It wasn't accident. An accident. Right. And when you eliminate creative thought, you have like a politician who says we're going to create ten thousand factory jobs. Well, you've conditioned a lot of people to believe that they can't do anything but work in a factory. But yeah. those people are also going to vote. Yeah. And you need to appease those people that you've created <laughs> to think that way. Yeah, and that, right? and that that's that's kind of like the sad thing for me because I, I've I I saw last year, like in September last year, I started to like start to wrap my head around the idea that Donald Trump might be our president. Mm-hmm. That's what I started to have. That. I remember you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like one of those things. Was, I was disheartened for a very long time because I just saw like the the signs, and I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of. I'm seeing like these people who are hoping that these coal jobs come back. I'm like, why? It's dangerous. And it's, it's not coming back. Yeah, and it's it, you can die doing it. Like you know, at the same time, you could the same amount of energy you're doing to the coal jobs or looking for a coal job. Like, go online, learn how to get some coding. If you have, I can't assume that they have internet, but if you do, right. which they might not. Yeah, yeah, but you might be able to go to a public library at least and get internet. Maybe. You know? Yeah, yeah. Depending on how far it is. Right. So I'm just you know <laughs> you know uh, you know. Uh, uh, to to speak to this, you know, specifically with with regard to STEM and the uh, the the nation not being pushed collectively in that direction. You know, the first thing that pops to my mind is if those are the jobs of the future, then the people who are doing those jobs have to be paid, and because of you know cost of living and inflation and all of these things in this country to do those jobs those people would have to be paid more right so if you get people in other countries around the world where you could pay them less to do the same work to focus on becoming the engineers and the mathematicians then you set up those generations of people that will come after you and benefit as uh, Slim was just touching on to still be in the position to benefit by gaining the most profit while shelling out the least money to do so. No, and that's a very, and that, and that, and that's, that's, that's one way of looking at it, right? And that's, that's the way a lot of people look at it. There's another way you can look at it is if you take the time to invest in these children at a young age and give them the tools they need to be successful, mm-hmm. then you have a much larger pool of people who could pretend, potentially like be the next Elon Musk or something of that ilk that can push us in a certain direction and they create jobs themselves. Right. And that brings people in too. Because like, like this, this technology industry, although it's very expansive and they think there's a tech bubble and there might be, you know, tech bu- bubbles pop, but at the same time, you know, at some point it's going to reinflate and it's going to be a whole nother. There's so much to tech that has not been accomplished or realized. Okay. Like, Absolutely. Like, you know, there's there's so much. Honestly, like real real talk, like technology and artificial intelligence is probably going to be the gap that kind of, if they allow it, that is kind of what takes us in terms of like, you know, health management and like mm-hmm. finding diseases, uh, uh, cures for diseases and conditions. That's probably going to be the bridge because AI can process, you know, at a much faster rate than the human mind can and solve like like little variables that we don't have time to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while we're still looking for answers, there's another thing I want to talk about just off mic related <laughs> to that. <laughs> okay. It's, 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 yeah. So I just I just think, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't, I'm not disagreeing with either one of your assessments. I think they're, they're very good assessments. I just, I just think there's a, a better way of looking at it. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, we, I'm not saying we it agree. We I, agree I get that, but I'm just saying, I, I know. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like I should say this just so, like, this conversation yeah. is out there. So one of the things that I would stress, uh, anybody listening, especially if you have kids that are in school, especially if they're younger kids, uh, to be more actively involved with what your kids are learning, be more aware of what they're learning. Absolutely. Um, uh, ask them questions, be be willing to go and ask the teachers questions. Like, you know, we have to stop being as a people collectively, especially within our communities, uh, black, Hispanic, Asian, Native American. We have to be more proactive in terms of how we engage our children uh, and how our children are engaged, because we can't expect that they're going to get everything they need when you send them off to school. There's a lot of things that they don't need that they're going to get from school, too. So we have to make sure that we're doing the checks and balances and if they're not getting what they need. Be willing to go to their principal or to the superintendent and and demand, you know, what right. they need. I just read like uh, on Friday, I want to say they in uh, 
of, of Virginia County school system, Accomack, I think, is something like that. Is there Accomack County in Virginia? Yes. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Uh, they just uh, banned um, two books. One of them was uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Another one is, I think I know why the case, no, no, I know why, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Because the gratuitous worse use of the, the N-word, basically, between the two books is used 250 times. I thought that these books had long been removed from schools across the country. I didn't know they were still, you know, I know that I read it when I was a kid and mm-hmm. I didn't think anything of it because I was a kid, but <laughs> I, I know that it, it was, it was an assignment for me to read as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it happened. Yeah, but I no, I I know that it it did not happen. Because, <laughs> you know, I I was I was uh I did not I was not able to articulate why, but I was uh, after the third or fourth grade, my infatuation with school quickly dissolved because mm. I realized that. Uh, well, one in the second grade, and I, I think uh, we, Lee and I, may have had this conversation before. You know, I I learned that telling the truth would get me in trouble, um, and which is such an odd thing mm. that, that a lot of kids experience. Like you, you, you drilling them to tell the truth. You drill. I was drilled that telling the truth is what you're supposed to do. And then when I was in a situation where me telling the truth made other people uncomfortable. I was reprimanded for doing what I had been taught to do. So that just left me with the idea that even though you're teaching me to do certain things, that if I actually apply what it is I'm being taught, I'm going to get in trouble. That's 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 mm-hmm. a rough. Le- a lot of kids have learned that lesson though. Yeah. But so, uh, we got to we got to we're never going to convince the oligarchs uh, to, to teach our kids, so you <laughs> you you make a good point. You know, we have to make sure we're always taking the initiative when we hear about creative solutions like what Droopy is uh, coming up with, and his colleagues who are also you know in that same program probably coming up with other great programs. You know, we need to like find out what these programs are and find our and, ways and, to like yeah. see if we can like also like um um are you right now are you seeking to get this like one something that you can like you can travel with and start? Are you trying to train other people so they can implement this in their own? Like, where are you going with this right now? This this program. What is it called again? Crunk. Well, all right. So it's two programs. One is called Spoof School, where it focuses on the parodies. Right. The bigger one is called Crunk Academy, mm-hmm. um, where it utilizes spoken word, hip hop, um, parody, comedy, and theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but all around self confidence, conflict resolution, academic empowerment. Um, those things and really just being a good and confident performer presenter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's new. I'm just finishing a, a second tier of um, training through the Teaching Artists Institute of Arts and Learning and Young Audiences, and they may have you do demo residencies in different schools. And but what's coming up soon? I'm about to graduate from that program, and they'll be putting me on the roster for the Maryland Art State Maryland State Art Council, mm-hmm. and then I can be sort of formed out to do the residencies at different schools throughout Maryland and for That's DC. Dope. In Virginia, since they're not, I don't have a contractual obligation with uh, Arts for Learning for those places. I can freelance on my own and just utilize relationships and find relationships with schools in DC and Virginia to do the residencies with and negotiate that on my own behalf. That's but cool. it's so new. Is this a year-round thing you're going to be doing? Or yeah, um, summer programs too. Um, in fact, I was working with a summer program at William Penderhughes High School Middle School in Baltimore um, this past summer, and we were doing Crunk Academy. It's funny because yesterday someone tweeted a video of um, a teacher dancing with his students doing a bitch can't do like me can't milli wop like me can't hit the folks like me and then I, re- I tweeted I retweeted it saying that was literally me this summer because that was the big closing program that we did we were dancing with the kids and doing all this stuff amidst a sketch that we made up that involved parody and all this other mm. stuff and so because the, the message for the tweet was when you're a teacher but the students still rock with you mm. and um, it was a teacher you wouldn't expect him to get down and break it down but he had a suit on and everything but he was breaking it down hitting mm. the folks and do, dropping it was this the white dude? yeah I've seen it he's been doing he's been doing that for a minute now like yeah I was gonna yeah He's uh he's been getting a lot of attention because he's tapped into something. There there are different ways that people learn and process information, and right. some people process information through song. Mm-hmm. You know, which kind of like you know to uh, to speak to our people, 
like a lot of our oral tradition and histories and like, not actually I think it's just people mm-hmm. it's like if you listen to like you know a lot of like cultures or whatever like they they, they like the, the chants and the songs and stuff like that mm-hmm. that conveys their their the history or whatever so why not teach people some people learn through actually like watching something some people learn by doing some it's like you know so that to me again is like is I think really ingenious like what you're doing like putting your own spin on it as only the, the broke baller can <laughs> uh you know, it's one of the skills that I know I learned at Howard was improvi- improvising, or as you you might say, pimpervise. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, you have anything you want to add on to that? Hey, look, I'm just I'm happy to see where it goes. I'm hoping to you know in some way, shape, or form be a part of it at some point. Um, and I, I think you know if we, we're, we're talking a lot about education and creativity. Is interesting that you know you asked him that question at the beginning. You know, should I talk to you as a you know as a creative, uh, as an artist, or should I talk to you as a teacher? And we we'll just have he, to have him back. That's he, all it means. Well, he arrived yeah. at a put at a situation that I of marriage between the two that I think is natural. You know, I think it's actually and as I think every every topic that is taught should be approached uh, from a creative perspective, right? Because that's all, you know, scientists, uh, and Neil deGrasse Tyson is a great example, you know, of this. uh, Scientists aren't, you know, people who have all the answers. Scientists are people asking a bunch of questions, Mm -hmm. and that's creativity, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you're trying to solve, you you need to write write a rhyme, or you're, you're trying to uh, uh, write a piece, right? Like, you know, you want to do something. You may have an idea, but you don't know what it is. It's not fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. So you're asking yourself, you're mm-hmm. asking yourself for the answers to this, to this problem, to this poem, to this song. And that's the same thing science is. That's the same thing education is. It should be the same way we approach government and politics. Uh, that should be the same way we approach we approach relationships of every kind, familial, romantic, professional, like asking questions, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find answers. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of argument. You know, we argument has been misconstrued to what it's become in the legal system, which is, you know, I pick a side and I try to convince other people yeah, that that's and, right. And, and that's, and that's not what the argument to, is. We try to push in our society is like you have right. a Democrat or Republican. That's exactly. the argument. You argument know, conservative is conservative or liberal. That's the argument. <laughs> argument is like, you know, the truth is something. Mm-hmm. And we need to find it, right? Mm-hmm. So I may be starting off with a position because there's initially two sides being discussed. But the truth may be somewhere between the two of them. One of them may actually be the truth or the other. It could be anywhere on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. But argument is about finding it, right? And mm-hmm. you find it by asking questions. So I just think that permeates every. And like you found this solution by asking yourself questions about what you wanted to do. And how could you have an impact, right? Mm-hmm. And how could you also be happy and find like a balance between the different things that you know how to do, which Absolutely. is teach and create, mm-hmm. you know? Everybody needs to ask questions, I think. So I think it's very apropos. It's poignant. Indeed. So what we're going to do, first of all, uh, I want to thank Mr. Anderson and 13 for, for uh, stopping in with us on on this on this very impromptu interview. That's not what they came here for at all. <laughs> but I figured I was going like, while wow, I had them here, I had to get the voices down. Yes, so sir. thank you both. No doubt. Thanks for having us. Indeed. Absolutely. Indeed, indeed. So I want I want to make sure that I can like I can like have you back in. Like y'all both down to come back in. We can get some more sessions in. We can have more conversations because there's so many different things that we need to discuss. And um, we definitely need to get either one of you in, especially you, Drew. I think <laughs> on the usual suspects. I think we need yes, to it's a uh, good. We have a good time. Yeah, on the yeah, usual yeah. We, we, we need to get you in. We on discuss that. very serious topics, but with a lot of levity. Yeah, we have we have fun doing it. We have so. fun doing it. Okay. Uh, it makes it easier. Uh, so very quickly, because uh, I did not do this last time. Where can uh, people find 13 and Nazareth and where can they find Droopy the Broke Baller if they're looking for them online? You shout out Instagram, all that stuff if you want to. All right. So uh, 13ofnazareth.net. Um, that's uh, 13, the number 13, not the word 13. Um, and the same thing on uh, various forms of social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, which I don't really use, but it's there. And there's stuff that I've written that is, you know, I think is is beneficial. I just haven't added anything new. So if you are unfamiliar with me, you can kind of 
catch yourself up on some some of my thought processes. Indeed, indeed. Mr. Anderson. Well, I'm Drew Anderson, also known as Droopy the Broke Baller. My website is brokeballer.com. Um, my Twitter handle is brokeballer. And I have a, the Drew Anderson is my Facebook personal page. I also have Droopy the Broke Baller, the fan page. And on Instagram, it is Droopy the Broke Baller, all one word. That is D R O O P Y T H E B R O K E B A L L E R. All right, that's that's what's up. Spell it. Yeah, yeah. So, so like brokeballer.com is still up and running, huh? Still up and running. Yo, man, like like it, yo, that's like it's good to see that like you know, there's some still some things that are like they're still chugging along, chugging along. Is is Dell still the No, I'm doing um shout out to um I gotta remember the name of the because she doesn't want me to say her name, she wants me to say the name of the company. Uh oh, Shout out to Digital Thunderground who does um handles my website. But nice yeah, they've yeah, been yeah. um also been empowering me to do some of my own um web handling, at least just as far as content. So yeah, shout out to Digital Thunderground. Okay. That's what's up. That's what up. free plug. It's like we don't <laughs> do that on a flashback. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's supporting him. Yeah, you know, support. but, but we consider our extended family. That's what's up. Yeah. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank y'all for your time, your energy, uh, for tuning in with us. I would like to also thank once again Mr. Droopy Anderson and also Mr. 13 of Nazareth. I am Lee Bennett the third, aka Da Vinci Parks. And I'm sitting here once again with Mr. Slim Williams. Y'all know what it is. Indeed, indeed. Don't forget to come check me uh, fourth fourth Monday, Bus Boys and Poets, the Monday after Christmas. So December 26th, come check me. And there we go. So uh, this is Flash Black Radio, Culture Shop. And yeah, please continue to tune in. Remember, you can check us out on iTunes or Google Play. Just go to podcast and type in Flash Black. Yeah, so stay tuned. Keep coming back. Love y'all. Peace.